Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford, and I am originating this broadcast from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. It's great to welcome all of our Saints Network family, and particularly our Father's Church congregation. Uh, this, uh, this is quite a wonderful time in the Spirit, and for our mission as uh, a church here at the Father's Church, in conjunction with so many other churches around the world, so many other Saints Network enclaves, um, saints who are standing in the gap. What a wonderful and privileged time it is. You know, God has trained you for this time. God, when he first envisioned you, the foundation of the world, ordained that you live to serve him in this time. And sometimes we as humans, we were such temporal people that we, we live for a few years and we do certain things and then um, suddenly we think that God's finished with us or somehow we've made a mistake or God has made a mistake. You know what I'm talking about. You know, even even those of us who are getting older, and all of you are getting older. I mean, <laughs> you're older than you were yesterday. But in, in times of life, you can you can get to the point where you think, well, you know, it's probably time for me to slow down. You you have live as long as you're alive. You know, I my mother-in-law passed away recently. And my wife brought home a, an album of photos from their 50th wedding celebration. It was held here at the church. And I was looking through those photos, remembering lots of people who were there who no longer are on this earth. It was really a strange thing. And I, I saw a photo of myself with... A very wonderful man, Pastor Hal Noah, who came uh, for that celebration. Uh, he he was my my main mentor, somebody that I wanted to emulate. He pastored the great Oak Cliff Assembly of God Church on Ann Arbor for decades, and was really a main player. No, that's a bad word. He was the coordinator in this city, in this metroplex, that arranged for the main speakers of the time to come into town. I'm mean, in the spirit realm, like Oral Roberts, Catherine Kuhlman, William Branham, Kenneth Hagan, on down the line. He was the one that arranged for this. And I saw a photo of him one time with all of these people at once. I don't know where it was from. I don't know what the photo was, and I wish I had that photo. But I saw it. It wasn't in my possession. Anyway, he was there, and he, he didn't have very many more years on this earth. But there was never anybody that I've met in my life who was more um, willing to believe God and excited about what was coming, no matter what was going on 
in him. I mean, being around him was like being in a revival meeting. He was so kind, but the, the presence of God was so amazing in him. And I, you know, I thought about, as I looked at that photo, how his life was invested in the Lord, but it's gone now. He's with God in heaven. And I thought, Lord, what a what an example for all of us to live as long as we're alive. That, that was one of his phrases. Whenever I say it, I'm quoting Brother Noah. Um, and it, it reminds me of Caleb. Give me this mountain. I'm 80 years old now, but I'm still able to do it. Um, first of all, if you're 80, you're seeing a mountain. That's daunting in itself. Some people say, no, no, I'm not going up there. My old ticker won't handle it. My knees, you just don't know. Oh, my hip, oh, oh that sacroiliac. I, I just don't think I can make it up there. I may make it up there, but you may have to bury me up there. You know, the crazy things we'd say. Well, this guy is saying, give me this mountain. I'm going to attack the giants that are living there, people of great stature. And I'm going to establish this, this spiritual hotspot. And it was a hotspot, including Hebron. Um, give it to me. Let us be that way. Let us do something that is rare. Let us keep pressing forward, regardless of what the calendar age says for you. And, you know, I think young people sometimes, they, it's amazing to me how you hear kids at 20, 25, and they think, my life has passed me by. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to give my life uh, sell it short just so that I can get things that I think that are passing my biological clock, you know, and you think, what is wrong with you? You know, our mindsets don't really change that much, whether we're 20 or whether we're 80, unless we've committed ourselves to the pathway of the Lord. And so um, that seeing that photo album it was some really cute pictures. I'll have to bring it. Like little Ryan Stewart was there running around in the room. He's not so little anymore. He has his little ones now. My daughters. Um, it just was very interesting. But the point is that we have a job to do, a miraculous job to do. We're not playing out the string. And, and I think that at any point of, any point of uh, yielding yourself for the service of the Father in the transitions that he has ordained for you, you're going to face similar measures of mental acquiescence to the will of God. And you're always going to encounter the prospect of being embittered or moving forward. I and and you know, I was studying as I asked you to do this past Sunday about the uh, the usages of the Greek word aiteo, a i t e o. It's a prayer word that is a higher level prayer word in you know, the authority structure of, of the scriptures. And I asked you to go through and, and study them. And just see where they were used. And one of the places that it was used 
was in um, the, the famous story in John 4 of the woman at the well. Now we've, man, we have feasted on this passage, haven't we? There's the idea of proskuneo, which is eight times used here. Being on our face before God. God's searching for people like that. God looking throughout the world, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Samaria, but all through the world to the mountains where people could partner with him. Uh, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. You know, all of those things. But here, here we have this woman meeting Jesus at Jacob's well in John 4. Now, I'm just going to warn you, okay? We're going to talk about this briefly, and then we're going to talk about bitterness. We're going to talk about myrrh, and we're going to bring it all together. So just stay frosty here. This is Bible study day, remember. Um, John 4, you should have this memorized. There, verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. The, the disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Um, then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samarians, Samaritans. Jesus said, If you knew the gift of God... Wow. What gift is that? What gift is that? Well, it's it's the gift of, of God. If you really knew who God is and who he's made you to be and what your possibilities are and what you're on this earth to possibly accomplish for him, And who it is that's speaking to you right now, saying, give me to drink, you would have asked a tale of him, and he would have given you living water. Why in the world would Jesus use this high-level prayer word which was reserved for people who were partnering with God in, in, um, in a unique position of authority. Why would Jesus use this word here about this woman? See, these are the types of things that you should allow your mind to process. Because this woman, obviously, to anybody but Jesus, was a nobody. She was probably less than a nobody. The disciples even came and said, Lord, why are you talking to this woman? This woman had known lots of of disappointments, and that's a a mild word in her life. I mean, Jesus even speaks about the myriad numbers of husbands that she had. You had five husbands, and the one you're now living with is not your husband. So this was number this, number six. I mean, do you, do you think about that? How many points of disappointment had this woman endured in her search for companionship? I mean, that 
you know, I've seen people who have made a mistake. I've seen people who have gone through different turbulent periods in their life. In the old time, churches would almost cast those people out as if they were some kind of pariah. But this woman had been, now she's up to bat for the sixth time. How many measures of expectation and hope? How many measures of the possibility of change for the good had she endured and every time failed or the scenario failed to plan out? And number six here, he's not making a commitment. I mean, hey, in that society, come and live with me. I'm not going to marry you. What kind of a thing is that? And she would accept that? I know in our society with the changing mores, there are lots of people who I think, man, you sold out cheap. What, what, you you should have held out with this guy. I won't go there. But my point is that Jesus talks about what God put her on this earth to do. Jesus talks about the high places of the earth. Jesus talks about proscuneo. Jesus talks about the Spirit of God looking for people to make a difference throughout the world. And he, and he talks to this woman about the gift of God for her life and that he is there to meet with her and that she has the opportunity of iteo. And then you, you, would, have, you would have a living water a well of water springing um, in you. Wow. This is an amazing story about all of these high-level factors, but dare I say the guts of it, the inner part of it, is this water of life and this woman being willing to view her life in a different way and view God in a different way and the opportunity that Jesus is offering her to come into supplication partnership with God, the Sha'al of the, of the New Testament. And with all the things we've looked at in this passage in gold mines, this is the thing that makes it all work or it doesn't work because if if you are partnering with God in supplication if if you are taking mountains if you are wanting to bring forth the water of life out of your inner being or out of the ma'a out of that core of where God's spirit is within you um, you've got to deal with these measures that this dear woman had dealt with. Now, this is not our message right now, but you could look at other places in the scripture where living waters are used. The old-timey song, drinking at the springs of living waters. Um, but when it's mentioned in the Old Testament, it speaks 
You have rejected the fountain of living waters and have hewn, hewn yourself cisterns. And that word is only used in that passage, cisterns, and it's a variation off of the ba'ar or the well. And, and so it, there is the idea of the rejection of what God wants to do through wells. This well that Jesus is talking about, the ayin, that high level bringing forth water. And you've, you've carved your own little reservoir. You've settled. You've settled. You don't, you don't have a well. You have a cistern. And it's broken. So you have to keep making it over and over again. Does that make sense? So this whole thing is, is, is really, you know, the gift of God, the calling of God, the partnership with Jesus, the invitation to, to do supplication, to lay on your face before God because God's searching and appointing that, mountains, taking dominion in the kingdom, um, and having this source of water, which is basically him within you. These are all practical words for us today. So before we move into the business of bitterness, do you realize that the gift of God, God, the gift of God is offered to you? Do you realize that you are a person who is placed here to serve God in this day? Do you realize that the prospect of partnering with El Elyon in the mountains that God would direct you to is before you? Do you realize that you have a source, God within you, that is, uh, is bringing forth supply? I hope we do. I hope we do. But at any point where that supply is going to be tapped and engaged for a new season, you're going to have to deal with bitterness. Now, let's talk about that, okay? One of the most famous passages that is uh, in the Bible that combines water being supplied and bitterness is when Moses stood at the rock the second time God had told him at the right hand of the throne, you go there and to this rock and you speak you prophesy to the rock yes you're still functioning in the authority you can have the rod there with you but i'm not asking you to whack the rock i'm telling you to prophesy to it they were on the verge of going into the promised land so this was a time of transition moses goes stands at the rock looks out all over the people and he says, hear now, you rebels, or mar, you, you people that are in bitterness, you people that are in hardness, because that's what mar really means. A bitterness, hardness, challenge. And, um, you know, the, the, scenario, the scenario that we face is that you're you're going to have to face this whenever you come to a point where God is promoting you and the challenge is that Moses saw it on the people he saw it on the entire scenario 
And he yielded himself to disobedience, which basically was a token of failure, I think. I think Moses had dealt with these people all his life, basically. Well, not all his life. Uh, since God brought him with them out of Egypt. And that was 40 years ago. And, and I think, really, he was irritated by them because he, he'd been dealing with this mess for decades. But I, th I think it was more like what Ezekiel faced or, or, or what Elijah faced. I uh, sure have made a mess of things. I'm not any better than my forefathers. And it was more an expression where he disobeyed God. He disobeyed the right hand because you did not believe me, Amon. And it was more about him in this scenario that was filled with bitterness. I mentioned Ezekiel. And if you read in Ezekiel, you'll find that when the people, when Ezekiel was prophesying about the people coming back out of Babylonian captivity, they were going to go through a similar process of going through the wilderness. In fact, he says it will be like your fathers did when they came out of Egypt, and you're going to have to deal with bitterness. That's interesting. So you can't escape it, but what really is bitterness? Bitterness, we've, we've talked about uh, with Mar, and then Mirah, which is gall. We've talked about that in the spirit realm, judgment to Wormwood. <clears throat> we've talked about that, how the enemy tries to utilize this developmental process to destroy what God wants and also to bring, um, to bring people into his service. The enemy does. But myrrh comes from this word. Myrrh was a very pungent um, point of fragrance. It was part of the anointing oil. And, um, and, you know, it's interesting that mar means the bitterness and hardness. Marrera is gall. But in the Aramaic and the Ugaritic texts, that word, a derivation of that word, means to strengthen, to bless, or to commend somebody for higher service. Isn't that something? The idea of promotion. So, myrrh was part of the oil that anointed, tell me if you've heard this before, prophets, kings, and priests. Myrrh was used to mark the tabernacle so that the people would recognize that the tabernacle was among them by their, their sense of smell and really by the sense of identity for what that tabernacle was supposed to do, to go forth through hard times to establish the kingdom. Myrrh, we have not really focused on this much, Oh, where is that pastor with the tabernacle? Exodus 30, 23. Um, the consummation of marriage was marked by myrrh. Oh, boy. All right. Put your hands over the ears of the kids here. 
in Esther, the book of Esther, we find that for six months prior to her being presented to the king, she anointed herself with myrrh. Solomon in Proverbs 7, 17 and 18 talked about the bed of union and how myrrh was the primary uh, incense smell there. The Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 13, talks about which this woman is getting ready for her lover to come and she's anointing herself with myrrh. You know, we talk about the hole in the door that was with myrrh. That was really her saying, hey, wait a second, I missed my chance to be with you. I missed my chance to engage in what would be the next phase of our relationship. I'm saying, forgive me, I'm submitting myself again. And and there are a lot of instances, you can look these up for yourself, in the Song of Solomon, where myrrh is associated with lovemaking. Um, in Psalm 45, verses 7 and 8, where it talks about the, uh, the oil of gladness. It's called the oil of joy in another place, but the oil of gladness is the same, saison. Um, it, it, it's characterized then in verse 8 as being the people that are anointed with that reek of myrrh. So this is very, very interesting. Just, just very, very interesting. Let's keep going with this. Mary, her name comes from myrrh. And she was willing to make herself available to God for the greatest point of promotion that the world would ever know, to welcome the birth of the Son of God. When the Magi came from the east, they brought frankincense, which, as we've studied about the incense, uh, was the, the last ingredient into which the other articles of incense for prayer were merged in. They brought gold, which was a kingly, a kingly dimension, and they brought myrrh. Now, we've said in the past, and this is true, that it is the, what they would use to mark death or to be prepared for death. You know, the, another Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with a liter of what was most likely myrrh, preparing him for what was coming, um, preparing him for the transition of him accepting the next phase of what the Father was asking. And then, get this, when they buried Jesus, Nicodemus, famous Irishman in the Old Testament, Nicodemus, that's a, that's a bad joke. Some of the things we used to think about as kids when we were sitting through service after service, he brought 100 liters, 100 times more of myrrh to mark that grave, to mark that body, to mark that tomb. And it really was an expression of, yes, this is death, but it is the entrance into the next, the entrance into the new. So you come, you come to this point where... Um, I think that as we're being anointed for this new stage of development, this new 
place that God is asking us for. We have to we have to recognize that if we accept the calling of God, we're going to have to deal with the prospect of saying things are going to be probably challenging. Uh, some things are going to have to die. But the objective is not just the dying or the willingness to marturia. The primary prospect is what is coming. Whether it's, you know, if, if you're getting... Well, I could make jokes about this, but you go back to Song of Solomon and Esther. Yeah, I mean, you you're you're getting ready to engage in a love with somebody, looking forward to the new. It's not like, oh gosh, okay, here you go. My life as I know it is dead. You know, who who thinks about that? Let's anoint this bride with myrrh. Well, you know, this just means it. Poor thing, your life is over. Please reconsider. Now, I don't know any. I don't know any brides that think that. Maybe they think that the next week, but you know, not necessarily leading up to it. There's all these fanciful ideas of what's coming, and so yes, it's the willingness to die so that something great can come. That's a willingness to let go of what you've known, but not to sit there and lament, oh, woe is me, but to, to look forward to what is coming, hopefully. If you don't cross that properly, if you just focus on, oh, what are we going to do? It's terrible. If you just, why did I make this choice? Then you're on the road to turning judgment into wormwood to be drunk with gall. You know, remember that Moses, you know, in those rebels, the word rebel there is mar. He would he just identified bitterness. And um you remember that the peoples were the peoples the people were said to have been destroyed in the wilderness because of murmuring now murmur lun means l-u-n to lodge somewhere to camp out somewhere you know when they murmured against uh, aaron and they murmured against moses uh even though it sounds like murmur and mur it's lun and it really does mean to lodge somewhere they camped out in their despair. And that's why God says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to destroy murmuring. Everybody bring your rods. Aaron's rod will be budded with almond uh, buds. And um, this will be a sign to you. Why was that? How could he destroy murmuring through that? Well, get up out of this place recognize that God is showing you the beginnings of something new, which the almond represented. Follow the leadership that he's placed before you and go into the new, in the timing. Don't just stick around here. Lun was combined with Ayin, which is the 70, which is leadership, which is also the well, to look forward into the new, into the supply. When it was combined, when Lun was combined with that, it meant to fix your eye on some point of 
most likely bitterness. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I know I've given you a lot of stuff here. But this has been more of a prophetic word. Yeah, it's teaching, but it's more of a prophetic word. Maybe, maybe we need to focus a little bit more on the prospect of where we are and the prospect of being willing to to go forward. Now, when we all started on this, arguably when you get born again, you die to the old life and you live for the new. That's great. But you're supposed to keep growing in grace, not just sit around on your blessed assurance talking about how amazing it was that you got born again. Um, and I'm not disputing born again. It is essential and necessary, but it's the beginning point. Supposed to be. So, when we, when we accepted this calling to be sons and saints... We said, we're, we're going to lay things down and we're going to move forward into the new. We don't really know what that entails, but we're going forward with the Lord. And I remember we made, there was such a pronounced thing, people giving up things, people surrendering things, people uh, destroying things from the past to move forward. And I, I remember right before we really launched into the nations. Um, I'll just say this very thumbnail version of it. I had to come to a new measure of this in my own life, in my ministry, what I had trained to do. I basically died to my standing in the denomination that I was raised in, trained in, and ministered in all my life. I had to be willing to die to that, and I did. And I remember, okay, this is the point of no return. Do, do I placate these guys that are on their blessed assurance and dial down everything we were doing so that I could keep my reputation and move forward with them or just sit around with them, play religious games with them? Or do I die to that and go forward? Oh, man, that was a big thing for me. I mean, I don't know what you were going through, but for me, it was everything I was. So you always come to a point where you have to process this prospect of mar am i what will i do will i recognize the atmosphere of this because you're either going to be it works well in english it doesn't work well in other languages you're either going to get better or bitter one or the other you're going to move forward into the better if you navigate through the bitter properly this woman at the well had many occasions of failed things and God was saying look you need to recognize the gift of God you need to recognize there's more to it than just who you're living with you need to recognize that 
this mountain and that mountain mean nothing. These, these temporal arguments mean nothing. God is looking around the world and he's offering you the privilege of Iteo. He's offering you to have living water. What a statement. There was bitterness right there. You know, very near there. This woman arguably was in between uh, those two mountains, the mountains of uh, Gerasen and Ebal, a blessing and cursing. You, you choose. You, you've got to choose. Um, and it's, it's, it's not a one-time shot. For every point of moving forward in grace, remember the enemy of grace is bitterness. You know, where do you get that, Pastor? Um, I'm so glad this little person is here asking these questions, isn't it? Well, just remember, Hebrews, if you fail in grace, a root of bitterness comes up and it snags you and others are defiled. So, wormwood is the failure of this process of moving forward in God. Grace says, I'm willing to give everything I am so that something new can be birthed. That's Hannah. I'm willing to surrender myself, everything, so that I can bear this child that I know is a child of promise, which would be Samuel. Hannah is grace. That's the name. So we come to this point. Are you settling? Are you, are you camping? Because murmuring is really camping. It's lodging. Uh, you can lodge in bitterness, but you can also lodge in inactivity. You can also lodge in not going forward. And in the wilderness, you're either going forward or you're setting yourself up to be destroyed of the destroyer. They were destroyed, according to the New Testament, in the wilderness because they were murmuring, because they were not willing to go forward, not to take the next step forward. Um, man, God, Moses said, I want all God's people to prophesy. I want all God's people to know him. Well, they, they, some of them made that step, and, but then they got to that point, and they got haughty, and they said, we are hearing from God just like you. What kind of statement is that? It's not whether you have some slick new means of hearing from God. You stay in alignment because as soon as you lodge yourself and say, I'm the one calling the shots here, you're done. You're, you're done. So let's just refresh. This woman offered is offered Iteo by Jesus in John 4. The woman at the well, like the woman at the well, I was thirsty. Uh, and then that song goes, fill my cup, and Faladin's word, why do you want a cup when you can have a river? Um, you know, it's, it's it, it, the, those factors of the mountains and God looking everywhere and proskuneo and being a people who are partnering in grace with God. Uh, all of those things, the water flowing out from within. We, you'll have rivers flowing out from your belly. Why is that? Because you're going to be supplied if you're partnering with God. 
and others around you are going to be supplied if you're partnering with God. And um, that's, that's a wonderful thing because that source of that river is God himself. But this woman obviously was, was very much embittered over her life. Maybe she wasn't after the first marriage. Maybe she wasn't after the second marriage. Maybe she wasn't after the third because she keeps going back for more. Maybe she wasn't after the fourth. And I've wondered sometimes about people that back when I was doing a lot more counseling, thank God I don't do it much more now. Sometimes I would say to people, uh, like uh, I would see, no, i, I got to be careful with this. I would see people fall into the same pit over and over again. I would say sometimes you'd see a woman who had been abused just go after another guy and just stamped all over him as abuse. And you think, are you, are you, are you that pickled that you just don't smell how bad this abuse is and you're used to it? It's, it makes you feel normal or some guy that was abused growing up and then he starts abusing his own children some guy who saw his dad hit his wife well then he starts hitting his wife regardless of how tumultuous that was in his little life when he saw that happen to his mommy you know at some point those people have to say enough sooner the better I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not settling for that anymore. I'm not going to be the, the, uh, the harbinger of that now in my life. So you, you see this woman, and she had to have at some point said, well, this is just my lot in life. And not only that, but I'm in Samaria, and I know that the Jewish people don't really like us the the jewish people from the sumerians were known as hebrews and some people say that the writing to the hebrews was for all the jewish people including the samaritans but that's a point of discussion and um, even the disciples thought why are you talking to this woman but jesus says this and are you in a point we should all be where they're going we're going into the new are we willing to die to self and say as mary did let it be to me according to your word are we going to recognize that being a marturia yes you've got to be willing to give your life but the objective is not just the giving life your life it's to entering into new life the objective of myrrh was not just to die, but to lead into the new. The tabernacle was to lead into the new. The, 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 the gift of Jesus was to lead into the new. The tomb of Christ was to lead into the new. And I, I think that's significant also, because a hundred, as we well know, means uh, somebody that manages in the gate. Remember? 30, 60, 100. Um it's it's just Nicodemus doing that was a prophetic act. Hey, look, this is the gate now into eternal life. 
And yeah, it signified death, but it signified the, the sacrifice itself and what it brings. And it probably was the precursor, this myrrh, the precursor into the resurrection. And for all who would follow, myrrh, meaning the anointing for a union with another person, a love relationship, beginning a new life. Myrrh, meaning, uh, you know, you've been through mourning, but I'm going to anoint you now because joy is coming. Uh, the, the oil of gladness, the oil of joy. You just look it up. Well, I don't see where that is. Well, Psalm 7, Psalm 45, 7 and 8. After the person's anointed, what do they smell like? Look at the first word. Um, just just see that in the times of season as it moves forward into the new. This is the thing that opens the new. Um, yeah, I, I just... <sighs> it's, I guess the word that's coming now, and arguably, what, what was it in Moses' life that at this point of promotion, he, after dealing with and overcoming this bitterness in these people, their failure to move forward into what God wanted him. What was it that in him that was just too much? The same could be said of Ezekiel when he spoke that about the people coming out of Babylonian captivity. And the same could be said of Elijah there at the top of the mountain. The door of the cave. What what was it there that that after all these mighty years of triumph and victory, something was there that you would think they would want to die and get it out of their system because it just brought them anguish. What was it that finally bit them and caused them to hinder where they were supposed to go? Um... We're we're at this point. You you have been called to be prophets, priests, and kings. You you have been called to to move forward into the new in grace in in a in an amazing way at this segment of history that is unlike any other. Can you imagine? the the prospect of bitterness hardness you know i i don't know whether in a person's life um maybe this is a residue of something that kept moses what do i mean by that <coughs> I, I you know i talked about a couple of years ago started saying how for some reason god is going back through my life bringing up things that we had to face and yet we overcame that I thought, yeah, we we obviously navigated that well, but I didn't, I guess, deal with the depth of the wounding or 
I, I, in my hurriedness to move forward and lead people forward, maybe I didn't process that enough. And it still needs to be touched. Because you're going to keep on being perfected. I'm not saying we sinned. I'm not saying that, you know, God didn't cleanse me. But you realize you can move forward into the new and be on the precipice of victory and still have areas that the Spirit is wanting to perfect in you. You're going to keep on being perfected by God. And God was dealing with those things. But I, I wonder with Moses, after all these years, if at that point there were things... And now here again, some people say, well, one of the things, Pastor, is that he had to speak to the rock. And you know how he protested uh, being able to speak. I, I'm not good with my... I sound like Jimmy Stewart. Well, well, Mary, tell me, what do you want? Do you want bitterness or do you want to move forward? Just tell me. I'll throw a lasso around it and bring it to you. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I've never seen a wonderful life. I just don't go in for those things. Well, you know, I, I, I suspect that for, for Moses, he, he was describing the people, but he was describing the moment. He was describing what he was dealing with. Yeah, it could have been that he wasn't comfortable with speaking. But look, we have illustration after illustration after illustration of him speaking to Pharaoh, him speaking to the people, him speaking to God in the presence of the people. So I think after 40-plus years, he'd mastered his tongue a little bit more, and maybe his shyness had dissipated. So to speak maybe was dealing with something that, just in his initial conversation at the burning bush, Maybe, maybe God said, okay, now you've triumphed in that, but you've never really dealt with the root of it, so you need to surrender this to me. Maybe. Maybe things that he thought, why are these people doing this? God's going to call down quail to, to, to satiate their, their desire to have meat, but it's going to come off their nose. Maybe he saw those things, but he never dealt with the core within him. And I have to say, you know, Sometimes as a leader, when you die to self to lead people forward, that means you don't deal with a lot of things in your own life. It's not that you got sin there. Some of you have gone through battle after battle after battle. You've been triumphant. You're mighty men and women. But yet, there's still something in you that has not really been fully surrendered. Some of you have been serving for a long time, and you've thought... And I know there are many people in my congregation who think this, so I'm not triggering anybody. Well, you know, I've got this calling, and it's, not, it's been frustrated. I, I, I don't know why God hasn't given me a pulpit or giving me this or whatever. And, and it's, it's there in you. And you've gone up and you say, oh, Lord, okay, I surrender this to you. I surrender all. But yet, deep inside, and really with that, it's, it's really questioning maybe a point of pride, maybe a point that your expectation was really not the reality of what God was saying. Oh, I knew lots of kids in Bible college 
uh, my first year as a freshman, most a good portion of those kids did not return for sophomore year. Now, whether their daddy made them come, try to straighten them out, which happened with a lot of district superintendents' kids, and uh, or whether they thought, well, the ministry isn't what it was cracked up to be, and it's not for me. But um, you you graduate out of Bible college thinking that you're going to have this type of ministry. It's just what people thought. Hey, look, <laughs> you have no guarantee. You have no, you know, I... I don't follow this kind of stuff, but my wife does. She she follows people that we knew uh, through Facebook. Some of them are superintendents of schools, high schools. Some of them are counselors. Some of them went into the uh, uh, the business world. And a lot of those ones that emerged from Bible college thinking this is what's going to happen in me, something else happened. But here we are. God has given us a ministry that's unheard of. It is. And we're being led by the Spirit into nations in unique ways. He's opening doors. Uh, he's showing us things in the Word. You know this. And here we are at this place. Once again, Will we die to things in our lives that God is stirring because he loves us? It's like the table of grace, the bitter sop, the bitter sop to touch the areas in our life that need to be surrendered to the blood of Jesus so that we don't ruin what God is saying and we don't ruin the prospect of God doing new things through us. Maybe, maybe the residue of things long past that there's an offering and you, you know myrrh is there. Yeah, I'm willing to die to this, but I'm delighted in the going forth. The tabernacle represented the going forth into a new to establish dwelling places for the kingdom. It represented victory. There was a lot of death around the tabernacle too, but the prospect of it was victory and going forward. Marriage is the prospect of a new life. And myrrh was there. It's right there for us. Myrrh was a gift to Christ as a baby because he signified the good, glad tidings for all people to those who would accept him. And, and Jesus then said 30 years later to this lady, if you knew the gift of God, the gift of God, the promise of the Father, he is the promise. And the one who is saying this to you, I am the door to God. I am God myself, but I'm the door to the Father. And here's what the Father is looking for. And, 
if if you if you would ask i tell you would have a living water coming out of your belly you will be born again and the flow of the father will come and you will become what he wants of you he's not looking at who you have been but who you're called to be and who you are to become this is a unique word but it's not just a word it's something that we must deal with now are you willing to lay down your retirement the cush all of the little wonderful things that could just absorb your life and follow the Lord you'll still have those other things but are you gonna settle are you gonna lodge are you gonna murmur which will destroy you in this wilderness do you realize that are you are you looking at your past life and thinking oh you know I'm no better than you know are you going that route Elijah did don't do it press forward into the new so there's this atmosphere myrrh yes it means a willingness to die but for what are you going to focus on the die or are you going to focus on the life unless a seed falls in the ground and dies it has no life in it it's the life that the farmer plants the seed for uh, the farmer doesn't go on out well you know what i'm gonna go out there and kill me some seeds I'm going to cast them out. I'm going to work real hard and plow the ground and break it up and fertilize it. And then I'm going to put these seeds in there and I'm going to watch them die. How you like that accent? Boy, I tell you what. Is that the goal? Okay, we're just going to exhibit the principle of dying here. We just de we determined to die. That's our goal in husbandry. No, it's the life that comes through it. And and so, uh, for Marturia, yeah, you got to be willing to die. But the objective is the testimony. For Mur, it's yeah, I'm 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 gonna enter into this new thing called union with somebody, and it's gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna die to who I was. And I'm going to be called by this new union. So is that, oh, poor thing, they're dying. Or is it, yeah, I'm going to go in, what I've known is dead. I'm going forth into the new. See, it's, it's myrrh. The tabernacle should be going forward. As opposed to in Shiloh, where, you know, there was no Parat's word. There was no breakthrough. They weren't going forth in grace. They were lodging there. And they were dead. But dead, just for dead's sake. Shiloh meant, okay, we've come into this point of fulfillment and we're stopping here. That's terrible, isn't it? So what's this mean for you? You're feeling influences. I know you are. Are you willing 
to look forward into the new and not settle. Don't jump ship, I'm telling you. Good grief. I, I know what this feeling is. I, I say I know, but I really do know. I, I mean, and it's 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 the fragrance of this was had a pungency, but but it meant you know the people could smell the tabernacle. They could. What did you think Esther smelled like? As my dad would say, you know, what, what do you think? It, it indicated, okay, I'm giving myself. We're coming into the new. Mary, the the Mary who loved the Lord, the Bible identifies this. I'm pr pretty sure all the Marys there loved the Lord. But she pours out this anointing him. It wasn't an embalming thing. Anointed his feet for the going forward. The anointing on the feet for the going forward. Not to stand still, but to go forward. This is a beginning. Mary Magdalene, her name means bitterness, but through her came grace and truth and life. So, this is where we are. And I guess the main thing that got us here, and I'm ending, is the, the issue of Iteo, Jesus' offering to this woman who had known bitterness all her life the full prospect of the gift of knowing God, partnering with him in Iteo and seeing this river of life come. Forget about the crazy religiousness of is Samaria or Jerusalem the place. God is not interested in that. He's interested in looking throughout the world for people who will accept this gift and be on their face before him to welcome the kingdom. Those are some strong words. And for her, maybe that was also a dying to the old religious mindsets. So, please look forward to the new. Please let the Spirit, you pour out your, your alabaster box. Just let the Spirit drain you of those things you've held on to that in some ways were protected and precious. You don't need them. You need Him. You need to go forward. This is a message for all of us. And I, I, I'm not suggesting you buy a bottle of myrrh from the holistic store and smear it over yourself. Don't do that. Be, be it. And let's see what God will do. Thanks for joining. Um, just a church polity note one week from today friends one week from today friends on the last wednesday night of this month our church here is going to gather for prayer you can come at six if you want but i'm really asking people to be here in force by 6 30 to pray and then at seven we'll have our financial review i'm not broadcasting this oh it will be so thrilling you'd all want to hear it but we're not putting this out on the airwaves. But congregation, please be here. That's a week from now. There's your public service announcement. God bless you all. And have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining. Let's be what God wants.
Goodbye.